KRCL, Salt Lake City. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from our sustaining members and Mark Miller Subaru. Welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. I'm Laura Jones. Thanks for joining us to plug into the community this evening as we do every weeknight at 6. Coming up on the show, another round of Music Meets Activism. Tonight, Wendy Fisher of Utah Open Lands, Utah's largest nonprofit land trust conservation association. They've saved over 62,000 acres of open space since starting up back in 1990. She's got a playlist to match with our conversation, so stick around for that. Plus, we're going to hear from Utah Youth Environmental Solutions Network, a youth-led organization that empowers young people in Utah to mobilize around climate and environmental issues through legislation, education, and action. They'll be spending part of their Labor Day under the heat dome, shining a light on the plight of the Great Salt Lake, holding a funeral for the lake, mourning its disappearance, and highlighting what more will be lost if Utah leaders fail to act. KRCL is part of the Great Salt Lake Collaborative, bringing you stories about the lake for the exact same reason, and we're excited to have this conversation tonight. First, a few rallies and resources to mention. A heat dome is underway, more triple-digit days. We're going to break all sorts of records this summer season, and I wanted to shine a light on the Cool Zone program where you can escape the heat at Salt Lake County School Zones. It's a program in partnership between Salt Lake County Aging and Adult Services, the County Library, Salt Lake County Parks and Rec, and the Salt Lake City Library. They're offering these cool zone programs through October 15th. So these are areas in county and city facilities where members of the public, well, you can get out of the heat, you can hydrate and learn about available programs. So these are air-conditioned locations where seniors and persons with disabilities in particular can beat the heat, not only reduce their individual energy costs, but Protect your health as well, folks. So great places to meet new people like the Salt Lake County Senior Centers. They're free to people over 60, open from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. on weekdays. And uh, they operate 8.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. at uh, Columbus, however. Salt Lake County has a variety of programming and activities, folks, available to people of all ages at libraries and rec centers. Salt Lake City Libraries also serve people of all ages. And, of course, there may be fees at some places in services and programs, but walk into any library and you can cool down. 385-468-3200 for more information. Or for a list of cool zone locations near you, check tonight's show notes or rallies and resources. For more information about cool zones for people over 60, you can visit Salt Lake County Senior Centers, Open to All Ages again, Salt Lake County Rec Centers, the libraries, and uh, that's the libraries in the city and the county. Also going on right now as we speak for another hour over at Liberty Park, you can get your bike registered with Salt Lake City PD. Makes it easier to return to you should it get lost or stolen and they find it. If you can't make it down to Liberty Park on 7th East between 9th South and 13th South in Salt Lake City, you can register your bike online, slcpd.com slash bike dash registration. Speaking of cool zones, on Saturday, September 3rd, it's Chalk the Walk at the Salt Lake County Library, the Viridian Event Center at 8030 South, 1825 West in West Jordan. It's its sixth year where some of the best chalk artists in the state will spend their entire day crafting masterpieces for this free family-friendly event. 
We're talking portraits, landscapes, optical illusions, and more. And there are categories like kids, teen, adult, and solo. Artists have already been selected, but it's free to drop on in and check it out. That's from 2 to 6. More details at thecountylibrary.org slash chalkthewalk. Friday through Sunday, September 2nd through 4th, it's the Urban Arts Festival at the Gateway in downtown Salt Lake. Tune in tomorrow night for a sneak peek as we have those folks on. And then don't forget Friday, September 9th, it's KRCL's 909 Day, our block party and record sale from 4 to 8 p.m. here at the station, 509 West, 300 North in the Guadalupe neighbor, neighborhood of Salt Lake City. We recently moved over here and we want to showcase the neighborhood get a bunch of the neighbors together, and you. So come meet us. Come meet our new neighbors, rather, and do some record digging as we welcome back the annual KRCL record sale. More details at krcl.org. One last thing, September 9th through the 18th, it's Portraits of Preservation, a virtual auction in support of Utah Open Lands, a fundraiser. Stick around. We'll get more details when we get to Wendy Fisher visiting us from Utah Open Lands, and that is coming up. But there is something on this Labor Day weekend that I want you to know about. And joining us to talk about it from UYES, Utah Environmental Youth Environmental Solutions Network, we have in the studio with us Maria Archibald. Hi, Maria. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. We also have Lorelai Smith. Hi, Lorelai, how are you? I'm very good today. How are you? I'm doing well. And we have Natalie Roberts, now in 10th grade at West. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. And I say that with such enthusiasm because I think we did several Zoom sessions, you and I. We have done, yeah. Over the course of the mm-hmm. pandemic because uh, UYES is very active, does quite a, a few things to draw attention to environmental issues. But let's get the details on what this die-in is about, this funeral for the Great Salt Lake. Lorelai, I know you got the details. Where, when, who, what, when, where, why? Yeah, so we are meeting Saturday, September 3rd at 11 a.m. on the dried-up lake bed behind the Great Salt Air to... um, Just draw attention to the plight of the Great Salt Lake, that it's dying? Yeah, to kind of bring awareness and um, kind of call Utah leaders to act. All right, let's talk about this, because I saw a bunch of them doing flyovers, saying they're ready to do studies, and I'm thinking to myself... We've been studying this. What do you think, Natalie? What do you want Utah lawmakers to hear from your generation? Yeah, so basically, uh, we're trying to host this event to bring some emotional value into like the, trage- the environmental tragedy that's happening at the Great Salt Lake. Because the truth is, this is affecting all of us like right now and more so in the future. Um, and as we can see, our lawmakers haven't been doing much about the situation other than uh, coming a lot of photo up, ops. Yeah, a lot of photo <laughs> ops. And coming up with solutions that really aren't going to work. Um, so we are mainly just going out to the Great Salt Lake to draw attention to how severe this environmental collapse is out there. Maria, Maria Archibald is also here, another organizer with UES. So what is the situation from UES's perspective on the Great Salt Lake? What have you been noticing out there? What do you want people to understand that you've seen and are calling attention to with this die-in, this funeral, on the 3rd? Yeah, well, the Great Salt Lake has shrunk by two-thirds since the late 1980s, and uh, researchers say that we could be facing total ecosystem collapse as soon as this year. Um, And what that means is, well, it means a whole host of things. It means that the brine shrimp population could collapse, and alongside it, the brine shrimp industry could collapse. Um, It means that 
migratory pathways for thousands of, of birds will be gone. Um, and it also means that uh, sand or, or the lake bed that has uh, arsenic and other heavy metals deposited in it will be exposed to the wind. And um, when windstorms come through, um, that dust will be brought up into the wind and into our lungs here in Salt Lake um, and in the surrounding areas. So it's incredibly dangerous for biodiversity, for the economy, um, and also for people's health. Um, and like you were saying, these legislators, they're, they're talking about it, but the conversation has predominantly been about ways that we can geoengineer our way out of this crisis. Like, how can we bring water from somewhere else to the Great Salt Lake? Um, and what we are gathering at the lake bed to say this weekend is that this isn't a water crisis. This is a water management crisis. And we don't need to be piping water thousands of miles or hundreds of miles to the lake. We need to be working within the bounds of nature to let the water that we have actually make it to the lake instead of diverting it for big ag and industry. Because, you know, piping water into the lake from the Pacific still doesn't address the problem of why the lake is dropping. And like you said, geoengineering our way out of it. Hmm, let's talk about the root causes. Is that part of what's going to happen at this die-in, this funeral on Saturday? Exactly. Yeah, the students um, have created a lot of messaging about why this is happening and also what's at stake if we let it continue to happen um, and have some pretty clear demands for action from Utah legislators and other Utah leaders. All right, Lorelai and Natalie, give us a preview of the demands or the messages that you want to uh, scream from the mountaintop or at least lake bed, right? On the third, Lorelai, what do you, what is the first thing that you want to demand of lawmakers? Well, I think, um, Maria really laid it out for us. We just want, um, to shine light on the severity of the situation. Um, and the whole reason why we're doing a die-in, um, we will be physically laying on the dried up lake bed, um, to show our, our possible future um, because this is a really um, serious environmental catastrophe and it will kill a lot of people in the Salt Lake Valley and, and surrounding areas. And I apologize because it's not your generation that, that made this problem, but you're the ones that are going to have to really roll up your sleeves and solve it, right? Right, Natalie? Yeah, definitely. Um, like some of the demands that um, we're like seeking from for this event is uh, most of the like so the Great Salt Lake has a, uh, quite a few tributaries, but all the water or most of the water is being diverted, so there is uh, little flow into the Great Salt Lake, and most of this water is being diverted, like Maria said, to big ag and development. All right, so. You two have just headed back to school. You're, Natalie, you're over at West High. In fact, thank you for walking over. <laughs> you're right in the neighborhood. Lorelai, you're at Olympus. You're a senior. Does this, tell me about your peers and what they think or, or know of this of this issue as you head back to school. Is It's top of mind for you, Lorelai. Yeah, so I think a lot of people care about it, and they just don't know how to help and how to be involved. Um, so I think, I think part of, um, our action this weekend is to kind of amp up the awareness and um, provide resources for people to help. 
All right. And Natalie, you're in 10th grade, but I swear I've been talking to you at least since eighth grade about this issue. Yeah. And uh, in your family, are you the one that's ringing the bell for the Great Salt Lake or are they all on board now? I would say definitely. But even though there have been, you know, many articles coming out recently about like like how the Great Salt Lake is an environmental nuclear bomb, as some call it. Yeah, that was the New York Times, I believe. Yeah, it was. Uh, There hasn't been much action on it you know we have like a week where we're all like freaking out over like a scary article yeah and news people like myself like so congressman senator representative what is your response oh this is horrible and then nothing happens and then nothing happens then we kind of forget about it but something as serious as arsenic poisoning that's something we shouldn't forget about like our entire livelihood depends on this lake yeah and the migratory birds in particular, like uh, Maria, you're saying how you know, the brine shrimp industry collapses. Well, it's more than just that industry that collapses. They're part of the food train chain, the brine shrimp. So that's something that you're watching closely, I take it. Yeah, totally. And, you know, when I heard, I don't think I had heard until this year that um, that scientists were saying that the total ecosystem collapse could happen as soon as this year. Um, and that really woke me up, I think, because that that's irreversible. Um, and we we have solutions, and I think that's what's so unique about this issue. Uh, maybe not new, unique. I think there's solutions to a lot of issues. But but what I keep hearing from people who know more about this than I do is that it really isn't just a drought that we can't do anything about. It's not that we don't have enough water falling from the sky. It's that the choices that we're making with that water are drying out the lake. Um, and there's so, some loud voices with lots of money who are demanding that the water is allocated a certain way. In the meantime, the Great Salt Lake keeps dropping. Exactly. And, um, you know, we're trying to solve this, this, this issue that essentially, like, capitalism has created with more, more big money solutions. You know, we're trying to – there's companies out here. I think this past weekend there was a big conference where they were pitching this pipeline so that they can make more money off of this crisis. Um, And that's not a viable solution. The viable solution is to allow the water that we have to make it into the lake to sustain us long term. All right. So let's go over what's happening again, when and where Natalie and Laura lie. So Saturday, what time? This Saturday at the Great Saltaire at 11 o'clock, we will be meeting for a die-in protest. And what are you asking people to do in in attending? How should they come prepared to participate, Lorelai? I think just enthusiasm. Um, And a lot of sunscreen? Yeah, totally. Protect yourself. Um, Hats, um, protection. Water. Yeah, for sure. Tons of water. Okay. Um, Who's going to speak? I think just um, youth speakers from UIES. Okay. Where can people learn more, Natalie? Uh, Definitely follow UES's Instagram, as well as just stay tuned with local environmental organizations, including Sierra Club at Save Our Great Salt Lake. And Maria, as we ramp up toward the next legislative session in January, I'm guessing we can expect UES to be visible and involved up on Utah's Capitol Hill? I think that's correct. All right. Thank you so much for coming in. Check tonight's show notes, folks. We'll put all the details there. Uh, I guess good luck. Break a leg at the die-in. Is that, is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> all right. To get us from here to Music Meets Activism, it's Band of Horses, The Great Salt Lake on KRCL. Support for KRCL comes from Mark Miller Subaru and the Subaru Love Promise. 
a partnership with local nonprofit organizations to support and strengthen our community. Now accepting applications for 2023 nonprofit partnerships. More information on Mark Miller Subaru's Love Promise and application process at markmillersubaru.com. Utah Foster Care's second annual diaper and hygiene drive is happening now. Collecting personal hygiene items and diapers of all sizes for Native children in foster care. Donations accepted at the Urban Indian Center, Utah Division of Indian Affairs, Utah Department of Health, and KRCL. Hey, Gavin Dahl here, KRCL's new executive director, inviting you to come down to KRCL's 909-day block party and record sale, Friday, September 9th, from 4 to 8 p.m. Do some crate digging through the KRCL record sale, take a spin on an e-bike with Magnum Bikes, screen print a t-shirt with Rock Camp SLC, and check out Radioactive live from our parking lot with Utah band The Zissers. Community partners include Rise Up School of Dance, The Boys and Girls Club, Give Group, Guadalupe School, Odd Star Studios, Spy Hop, Tree Utah, and more. Sponsored in part by Mark Miller Subaru, join us Friday, September 9th from 4 to 8 p.m. Here at KRCL 535 West 300 North. Details at krcl.org. Oh, it's going to be a good time, folks. I hope you can join us. Coming up at 7, it's Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. Connor's Late Night Lowdown at 8. Super Sounds with Chovy at 10.30. And then a brand new day at 6 a.m. If you miss a show, you can catch the last two weeks of any show on demand at krcl.org. Just click the Programs tab and sort by show title or date to listen on demand. I'm Laura Jones, and thanks for plugging into your community with us tonight here on Radioactive. I've been doing this Music Meets Activism series where I ask someone to come in from the community that's up to some good trouble and ask them for a playlist that matches, and folks are like, yeah, I'm down. So tonight, joining me and giggling in the background is (laughs) Wendy Fisher of Utah Open Lands. Thanks for coming in. Absolutely delighted to be here. Yeah, a week ago, we had your husband. I totally forgot <laughs> that Zach Frankel from Utah Rivers Council and you are husband and wife. And there is one song that overlaps on yeah, the playlist. You know, uh, you can't control him. So <laughs> apparently, the Dixie Chicks are a family favorite. So yeah. we will be getting there again. But let's start with a bit of origin story about you sure. in Utah and Utah Open Lands, which started in 1990. Yes, it did. Yeah. Um, You know, I really started the organization fresh out of college. Um, And, you know, part of it comes from the fact that when I was growing up, my family had moved here from Massachusetts. There's no mountains in Massachusetts. (laughs) There aren't. (laughs) I hadn't even seen lightning strike. Really? Yeah. So it was, you know, you come here and all of a sudden you you look up these peaks and you go, oh, my goodness. Um, And so, you know, my parents thought it would be a good thing to keep me out of trouble to get me a horse. Okay. Because I loved horses. I don't know. this? What part of Utah? This is Utah County. Okay. Um, I don't know that that the horse necessarily kept me out of trouble. (laughs) (laughs) I have to ask Zach about that. Okay. Does he have any stories to share? I mean, you two met later, but you started Utah Open Lands because you came to, you know, uh, the Beehive State and saw these mountains and these, these valleys and you loved them. Yeah, and I used to ride my horse through these orchards and open spaces, and my horse outlived the orchards and open spaces. Wow, to think about that. Yeah, right? Yeah. And so for me, it is just, it was one of those things where I thought, well, you know, I don't know that I'd ever move here now that these things are gone. Mm. And so, you know, uh, initially, I think that when we started talking about conservation and conservation easements, I think that the legislature probably thought it was a dirty word or a combination of dirty words. Um, But it was really all about 
what is the reason that people move to the state of Utah? And it's not the cookie cutter subdivisions. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's all of the environmental values that we have from the Great Salt Lake to the fresh snow to the streams and creeks and, you know, these open spaces that we go out and play in. And, uh, and we're losing them. So in 1990, you formed Utah Open Lands, and today, I think the last tally I, I came across through looking through all your material is 62,000 acres at least Yes, the yeah. Utah Open Lands. So what are we talking? What space is where? So uh, we started actually up in the Summit County area. We were the first local land trust in the state of Utah, um, and there was such a cry from various different community activists who said, you know, I really want to save a, a piece of this this property. So, uh, you know, I like to say our greatest hits <laughs> are places like Castleton Tower, the baselands of Castleton Tower down in Moab. Um, that property is a place that people go and camp, but they need to be better stewards. Um, Hyute Ranch up in Park City is something we protected. And I think a lot of people are probably really familiar with us from our preservation of Bonanza Flats. Yes, we had you in on that. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that really continues to be one of those amazing landscapes um, that I don't think people realize. It could have been an 18-hole golf course, 260 uh, trophy homes with heated driveways. You talk about climate change. Uh, we would have decimated the wetlands and a lot of the carbon sequestration that naturally occurs. I think we estimated the amount of development that would have taken place up there would have used uh, 65 million gallons of water on a yearly basis. Wow. And I'm just thinking that right now in the middle of a heat dome for the next couple of days and yeah. the, the obvious mega drought that we're still in and the dwindling Great Salt Lake shoreline. But uh, put put this together. Like you, you come up with Utah Open Lands. We're gonna we're gonna raise money, and we're going to we're gonna buy up open space, and it's gonna stay that way forever. Cannot be broken. And how did people respond back in 1990? It's like yeah, I can donate money for that. You know, I think that that the first response from a lot of people was yeah, because once this is gone. It's gone forever. And then we all get to use it? That was like probably the other part of the bargain, right? Yeah, and that was part of it. And no, we we do all get to use it, but what are, what constitutes we all? Yeah. Well, we all includes wildlife. There's a lot of places that we've protected that are now um, really these refuges for species that are literally being driven out of their homes by the amount of development. And one of the things that I remember saying way back in the day, because I would get challenged, we are going to put this away in forever? Because perpetuity is a hard word to say. And, you know, one of the things that I would always say is, you know, the reality is preserving this land forever actually probably locks in the fate of our community and this landscape far less than development does. Yeah. You're never going to have an organic tomato garden once you've concreted over that space. You're, you're never going to bring back the vital riparian corridor once you've destroyed it. So, you know, not everybody's my biggest fan. <laughs> <laughs> but we think what we do is a, is a good thing. And we've seen how it makes a difference. And I have to say one of the most gratifying moments was in 2020 when we got all of these emails from po folks during the pandemic saying this open space has been my mental respite. I can go there with my friends. I can stay six feet apart and I can feel a sense of connection. 
I want to talk more about this effect from the pandemic because that's the good thing, but there's also the thousands of folks that are loving the outdoors to death. And like you said a moment ago, we need to be better stewards. But let's get to the first song on your Music Meets Activism playlist. How did you get to Marty Robbins, 160 acres, acres off gunfighter ballads and trail songs? I love Marty Robbins. I can't tell you. <laughs> well, I got to give props to uh, Emily Ingram, who is our stewardship specialist. And she is a big Marty Robbins fan as oh, well. We're in the same okay. club. And I love, you know, that it comes off of the, you know, the 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 gunslinger, gunfighter and, and trails because it really, the, the crush of people using these open spaces. I mean, honestly, sometimes you feel like you got to be a gunslinger to save these trails. And uh, so I think that that's, that's kind of fun. But uh, as I talked to Emily, she, this kind of puts a smile on her face when she's out there doing her stewardship. I love it. All right. Music meets activism with my guest this evening, Wendy Fisher of Utah Open Lands. Here's her first song, 160 Acres from Marty Robbins, KRCL Radioactive. Oh, I just love Marty <laughs> oh, Robbins. That's great. Woo, 160 acres full of sunshine, got 160 million stars above. Oh, that's a great song, and I'm going to have to go buy that collection. Of Gunfighter, yeah. Ballads, and Trail Songs, folks, if you're looking for that album. Um, we're talking about how the pandemic kind of underscored for people what wide open spaces can do for one's mental health, physical health. And at the same time, now we have thousands of folks who are like, oh, that's right. That is right here. And we've kind of trampled it a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I've never been so happy to see gyms open again. <laughs> I mean, I just have to say, um, and, and I, you know, I, I, I love the fact that people get out and they have these experiences. They, they see a moose for the first time, um, in the wild. And it's just, it's an amazing experience for people. And it was so neat to hear these stories of how it really helped people connect with one another at a time when they felt so lonely. Yeah. But we saw a 300% increase. Wow. Statewide. It was already pretty heavily patronized, shall we say. Yep. But how much percentage? 300% increase. Okay, so what did that do? What, did, what were you hearing reports of or seeing, actually? Yeah, you know, some of it is, um, I think, a function of people maybe used to do their workout in a gym, and now they're out there to do the workout and get yeah. to that summit. Not that that's bad, but take a beat, folks. Look around you and, and appreciate it. It's not all about, you know, that that strenuous nature. But the other part of it is trailheads are crowded. You can't find a parking space. Um, it is almost in some instances in open space, kind of like being in a line at Disneyland. Wow. And that's not what we're looking for well and leave no traces left behind yeah for us we're like you guys leave no trace is no longer a thing we have to leave it loved and that is actually a campaign that we've really tried to foster because what's been disheartening is to see for example down at castleton tower we pump the vault toilet i know this is fun stuff to talk about it's down by moab down by moab we pump the vault toilet on a weekly basis during the high season it's a great area for climbers. But we found that people are actually depositing their waste, and it's real human waste, not in the toilet, but literally like 50 feet away. I don't know if it's that they don't understand 
but that becomes a health issue. And it means that some of these places may end up getting closed down. Some of these places you may not be able to take your dog because you're not picking up after it. We have to do better. We have to leave it loved. I'm trying to remember the name of the campaign they're doing down in Kanab. It's, you know, be kind to Kanab, uh, where they're literally saying, hey, you come here, be kind. Yeah. You know, yeah. this, this is not Walmart. This is not Disneyland. This is not pay your ticket, get on the ride. You have a, a service. And uh, it reminds me of a story some folks on a, I'm on, was it Yellowstone? Gave Yellowstone, I think it was, a one star because the, the bison would not pose appropriately for the Insta <laughs> photo. <laughs> and Hector Hobo wrote a song about it, American Bison. New song, now available on KRCL. Nice. But, um, you know, the, it's like warring emotions inside of us, right? Mm-hmm. We want more people to enjoy it. More people means, you know, we need to take more responsibility yeah. for taking care of it. Yeah, and, you know, you're not going to always get to go to your favorite hiking spot. But I think the most critical thing that I see is we do need to have these peer-to-peer nudges. If you see something, don't necessarily call the police and say something, but really on these open spaces, if you see something, help people understand. We did a survey in 2021 in the summer. 67% of the folks were out on the trail hiking in nature for the first time. This is pandemic. Yeah. Part of the pandemic. Exactly. And so what I look at is, yep, there's more education that we have to do. But you said it, Laura. This is this is our responsibility. And conservation easements and the campaign to protect a piece of property, I've known for a long time that was just the beginning. The real battle is ensuring that we are good stewards and that we make that promise, keep that promise to the next generation. It brings me to the next song on your Music Meets Activism playlist. Little wide open spaces from the Dixie Chicks. Why this song? You know, actually, we had our own lyrics like oh, wide yeah. open spaces. We've got to buy them all. So- <laughs> I think you need to do an entire parody song. We had one. Oh, did you? <laughs> okay, you're going to pull up the lyrics while we listen to the Dixie Chicks on KRCL. Who doesn't know what I'm talking about? Got to buy them all, those wide open spaces. Got to buy them so they don't become a strip mall. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to have to pry those lyrics of your parody <laughs> song out of you somehow. We're listening to Wide Open Space from Dixie Chicks informing the music meets activism of my guest, Wendy Fisher of Utah Open Lands, Utah's largest nonprofit land trust conservation association. And speaking of turning things into strip mall, it gets us to your, your next song. You've saved some things from becoming strip malls, right? Yeah, we have. Um, literally, it's been amazing to see... Um, One of our projects up in the Immigration Canyon area, uh, beautiful, beautiful part of the Immigration Creek running through it. It's one of the big wide open meadows that you see if you're biking up Immigration Canyon. And, you know, it was it was literally slated for a 35 unit condo development and, you know, commercial gas station. So, you know, maybe not. I'm just visualizing that going. Thank you. Utah Open Lands. But do you ever have people call Utah Open Lands? Hey, we just wanted to check, um, see if you're still committed to saving that uh, meadow. We'd love to put up the apartments. <laughs> Anybody ever call you? Do you ever get those kind of calls? You know, we don't. I think the thing that, um, well, although I have had some real estate brochures saying, hey, we know you own land. Would you like to sell it? <laughs> Which is just not what we do. But, uh, but I think one of the things that has been really interesting to me, and it goes along the lines of like the stewardship we all need to embrace on these lands, is is what we're facing now is the death by a thousand cuts. 
it's the it's the subdivisions that start to kind of try and nibble away at these properties. Um, we protected this property down in Draper called the the Whedon Preserve, and it happened because of the farmer who had actually brought vegetables to b- miners during the Depression in the bread and sugar lines. And now it's the home for Wasatch Community Gardens and the International Rescue Committee. There's a bunch of farmers that have connected to their community by growing crops there. The New Roots Program. Yeah. And yet on the very edges and fringes, you know, we'll go out there and somebody's dumped their lawn clippings or somebody's strung their <laughs> their lights from their patio into this open space. And those things do impact. They, imp- they impact the bird species. They impact nighttime critters. They also impact the ecology because those lawn clippings are not supposed to be there. So it's little things like that. And then, you know, uh, I know we all need roads, but, yeah, we've we've stared down UDOT a couple of times. Um, Eminent domain. Yep, and we've uh, we've been successful every time. In fact, recently there was a proposed alternative to put a road through uh, Hyute Ranch. And uh, Hyute the, Ranch, that's the one just off the main road into yep, Park City? just off of I-80. And uh, uh, that quickly got taken off. I won't go into much <laughs> of that story. You Other, beat it back, though. <laughs> yeah, we did. I mean, you know, I yelled and screamed and said, how did this even ever get on there? This is not creating the traffic problem. Yeah, You're not even dealing with the traffic problem. And that's the thing that I think is frustrating for me is that sometimes the criticism will be, well, if we could only use that open space for X... And the reality is, hey, you guys, poor planning is not going to be solved on the backs of open space because once you lose that open space, you've lost so much more. Well, and for folks from a developer mindset, to them, open space is wasted potential. The same way we've been fighting the fight with the Great Salt Lake to allow in-stream flow to be a beneficial use for a water right, to allow it to go all the way to the end and get into the Great Salt Lake. Yeah, And the thing that I look at is I have always seen that if you are an enlightened individual from whatever job perspective, developer, whatever, during 2008, when we saw the real estate market blow up in a bad way, like it went way down, those places that retained the market value were the ones that had open space in their community. Open space is a net revenue because cows don't go to school, ducks don't have the police called on them. Um, and those are things that, you know, yeah, shh, we don't want anybody to know, but it is a real part of ensuring that our community maintains balance and really maintains the quality of life. Now, I know that in putting together your playlist, you spoke with Zach about his trial at this <laughs> uh, station a week ago. Yes. And you had suggested to him this next song, and he said, no, this is more you. Yes, I have to give credit for to Zach loves Joni Mitchell. He really does. But Big Yellow Taxi. KRCL Radioactive Music Meets Activism. Utah Open Lands, Wendy Fisher. Thanks, Wendy. Stick around, more to come. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That song just makes me smile, even though it's about everything we just talked about. (laughs) And those trade-offs that we make in society, in communities, as we build them out and reshape them in the next generation comes along, like we had the kids on earlier, yeah. fighting to save the Great Salt Lake, to get it through the heads of the adults that, hey, you mess this up, this is almost done. Yeah. And uh, and then yet again, we go through something like the pandemic and realize how much an open space means to us when we're not supposed to be six feet 
<laughs> closer, closer yeah. to each other. So uh, what are you working on? Because I hear you're doing something in Bear Lake. Yeah, we, we have a lot of projects that we are working to protect in this next year. Got some projects we're doing up in Midway, but I think one that is at that critical moment of needing the last $100,000 is this basically 543 acres that is up in the Bear Lake area, and it includes a breathtaking amount of 200 acres of shoreline that will never be developed. And if you look at what's happening adjacent to it, you know, you've got one acre lots put on septic tanks, heaven forbid that flows into the lake, the oil, all of the stuff that kind of just runs off into the lake. That is a serious threat to that Caribbean blue. I always forget how just beautiful blue it is up there. Yep. Well, if if it gets if the water quality becomes impaired even a little bit, you could you could lose that. And so you think about that and how it's promoted as this the Caribbean blue of the Rockies, not anymore if you end up destroying the water quality. So, you know, the family that's been involved in this is a fifth-generation family up there. They are very progressive in wanting to ensure, actually, protection of sage-grouse habitat because this is one of the northernmost sage-grouse leks, which a lek is like the dance floor for the sage-grouse, and they do funny dances. They probably listen to Joni Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> get their plume on. That's get their right. feathers all. Shake yeah. their tail feathers. That's what they're doing. Get their plume on. i got to remember that one. Um and so, you know, without protecting these areas, which for sage grouse, for example, they come back to the same lek. I mean, for generations, some of them, have, it's in their blood, it's in their DNA. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, you lose that and you definitely lose the sage grouse. There are endemic bird species up in the canyon and um, we have a matching grant and it will be the final amount of money that we need. So every, What's your deadline? Where can people get more details? Um, we have some information on our website. The deadline's basically the end of October. Um and basically, I mean, every dollar is going to count on this one. You know, a $20 donation is going to mean a lot to the foundation that's matching this grant. Well, and if we don't, you know what happens? Well, we get to the pretenders and my city was gone. Yep. Oh, this All song gone. always gets me. Why is it on your list? Actually, this comes from my deputy director, Catherine Cargill. This is one of her favorites. And uh, indeed, it's what we see if we don't protect it. The Pretenders Music Meets Activism on KRCL. Uh, my city was gone. It's the Pretenders from Learning to Crawl on KRCL 90.9. Music Meets Activism. I'm Laura Jones and my guest this evening, Wendy Fisher of Utah Open Lands, which is the state's largest nonprofit Land Trust Conservation Association. Started in 1990, 62,000 acres and counting. Now, forever preserved, out of the clutches <laughs> of people who would turn it into parking lots. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So anyway, we wanted to, we had one more song to share, folks, so don't go anywhere. But uh, we wanted to invite you to take interest in this issue. And Wendy, how can people get involved? Well, first and foremost, jump on our website, 
if you're interested in volunteering, we've got some amazing restoration days planned up on Bonanza Flat. We're even going to put some plant plugs, do some raking and receding, help those moose, help those elk, and help the experience up there. So that's what stewardship is about. We also have our portraits of preservation. Okay. And because conservation easements are this federal tax deduction as well, which nobody wants to hear about because who wants to talk about the IRS on <laughs> A show like this. But because of that, we really say that literally every dollar that gets donated to this organization results in tangible land protection because the Redford family, for example, just donated a conservation easement on 311 acres. That includes the trail to Stewart Falls, which a lot of people didn't realize was actually on private land. Wow. So it, it does result in tangible land protection. So if you go on our website and you jump on our Portraits of Preservation live auction, not only can you get a bunch of really, really cool stuff, but you every dollar is going to go in and support what we do as an organization to put these lands under protection and also to defend them, as we were talking earlier, um, from those, those little... Uh, pieces. I always look at it as kind of the final frontier. Um, if we can't protect this open space, we will have lost our city. Well, and what you do with Utah Open Lands, you get it preserved. I'm looking at this back and forth, back and forth, Bears Ears, Grand Staircase, Escalante, yeah. and depending on who's in charge of the White House at any particular time, who gets to set the boundaries. And I guess that's got to be satisfying. It, it is. And I have to say that, I mean, I think that there's so many of these campaigns out there that are so important. But one of the reasons that I chose to do what I do is I don't want to be subject to those shifting political winds. I want to say we have protected this. We've drawn that line in the sand and it will never be a parking lot. It's never going to be a strip mall. And that is, that's incredibly satisfying. You know, the next challenge is obviously how good a steward can we be? Here's my quote from, of course, Wallace Stegner, right? Who talked about the West as the youngest and freshest of the regions. And he hoped that the civilization would match the scenery. Hey, if we screw up the scenery, I think we got to worry about the civilization. Well, that brings me to the hope for tomorrow. Yay! Is there any, how long can you keep doing this? The next generation? I mean, um, uh, are you just going to keep doing this and doing this or what? Yeah, they'll have to pry it out of my cold, dead hands, right? Oh, Charlton Heston. <laughs> that quote works in so many other better ways. No, I, you know, the thing that's really cool from my perspective is I look at all my employees who are a lot younger than I am. Mm -hmm. um, and it is really so amazing to watch them embrace this solution for protecting a wonderful world for the next generation. Because when you look at the threats of climate change, when you look at the threats of doubt, the heat dome you mentioned, it can be pretty discouraging, but that's not what we need to focus on. Well, what is the website for Utah Open Lands one more time? It's utahopenlands.org. Well, thank you for all the work you do in the community, and I hope you will do it for many decades to come. I will. What's this last song and why is this, it on your list? This last song is What a Wonderful World. And really, I uh, love the power of positive thinking. And I think that what we need to envision is a wonderful world and we need to do everything that we can to make that happen. And he just, you know, he talks about some of those wonderful things that make it a wonderful world. We got some Louis Armstrong to close out tonight's show. My thanks to all of our guests and you listening for plugging into your community. We hope you've been inspired by Wendy's Music Meets Activism playlist. Let's do it, shall we? Let's do it, Laura. Some Louis Armstrong on KRCL mm. 90.9. Some of you young folks been saying to me, hey, Box, what do you mean, what a wonderful world? 
about all them wars all over the place? You call them KRCL, 90.9 FM, HD1 in Salt Lake City, Ogden, and Provo. 96.7 FM in Park City, on the web at krcl.org. Listener-supported community radio. Support for KRCL comes from our listeners and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.